So what are you grateful for today? Jim, what are you grateful for? For having a wonderful wife. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and I thought he was going to say for having such a beautiful wife, but he says wonderful, so that's good. Well, she, she, she fits that also. That's true. Beautiful and wonderful. Barney, what are you grateful for today? the life, the very breath that he takes. Do we have a lot to be grateful for? Yes. Hugh, what are you grateful for today? Well, you know, I am thankful for my family, but I also am thankful that we have salvation and that Jesus provided that for us. Praise God. A time of gratitude, a time of thanksgiving, one of the best holidays that this country has ever invented. We don't quite have this in England. We do have what we call Harvest Festival. So I'm used, when, when my mom packed me off to Sunday school, and I, sometimes I went, I would see the display there and the smells and the aroma and the hymns, and, and that kind of still stays in my, in my mind, even though I was a, a little boy, and ha I have fond memories of that. Before we open the Word of God, um, let us have a word of prayer. Gracious God, we're thankful for many things. We're thankful for your holy word. And no matter what translation we have, Lord, no matter which way your word comes to us, we're grateful because we need its light. We need its guidance. So as we open your word this morning, Lord, help us to not only understand what you're trying to say to us, but show us how to apply it to our lives so that we can be godly Christians, Christians who truly, rightly represent our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray, amen. amen. <clears throat> You've heard the story not about the skunk, but about the bears, right? How the bears were thankful. You've heard that story. Who's heard that story? All right, it must be English. I'm not sure if we have bears in England, actually. Maybe in the zoo. All right, so let's start with that. Our text for today is in Luke chapter 17, so be looking that up while I share the bear story with you. One day, Bill Morris went out hunting in the woods just outside Prince George in British Columbia, Canada. It had been a slow day, and he hadn't found any game to shoot. Suddenly, he heard a noise behind him. He whirled around and saw two ferocious-looking bears coming towards him. He quickly raised his rifle to his shoulder, took aim, and pulled the trigger. Click. Nothing. The rifle misfired. He reloaded and fired again. Click, click, click. Again. Nothing. The gun just wasn't working. <clears throat> By this time, the bears were almost on top of him. In desperation, he threw down his rifle, and he ran as fast as he could. But the faster he ran, the closer the bears got. Finally, Bill came to the edge of a cliff, and as there was nowhere to go, he dropped to his knees and began to pray, Oh, Lord, Lord, I pray that you make these bears Christian bears. <laughs> That's not the joke. As Bill looked up, he was surprised to see the bears kneeling just a few feet away from him. And as he listened, he heard one bear pray, for what we are about to receive, may the good Lord make us truly thankful. Amen. 
So if bears can be thankful, we human being Christians certainly can be thankful. Now this morning we're going to look at a story in Luke 17, and it's one of those stories that I tend to skip over because of the way that my mind works, but I think it has an important point that we can, uh, that fits in very well for this time of the year. <clears throat> Luke 17 verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Is thanksgiving important to God? If this was the only account we had in the Bible, and believe me, we have hundreds if not thousands of text on thanksgiving and gratitude in the Scriptures, many of them in the Psalms, whole Psalms that are built around that concept. Thanksgiving, if this was the only story we have, we would see that thanksgiving and gratitude is important to God. I want to deal with the negative first. I want to deal with ingratitude for just a moment. I'm going to get the negative out of the way, and then we're going to focus on the positive of thanksgiving and gratitude. How many lepers, children, you can answer this, how many lepers were there? Five, eight, or ten? Can't hear you. Ten. Ten lepers. And how many thanked Jesus? One. One came back and thanked Jesus. So how many does that leave? If you take one out of ten, how many do we have left? Nine. So nine failed to thank God and to thank Jesus. We call that ingratitude. Now, I'm sure if we could interview all ten lepers this morning, they all were grateful that they'd been healed, right? Can you imagine Levi? I'm just making a name up. Levi's working there in the field, and he starts feeling pain in his hands. Levi is married with a number of children. He is responsible for the household. So obviously his body needs to be healthy. He's out in the fields day after day after day trying to make a living so he and his family can survive. But the pain gets worse and worse. And maybe 
one of the problems with leprosy is, is sometimes that you don't feel the pain and the blood starts to appear on his body. And you know where this is going. He has to go to the priest because that's what they did in those days. And the, the disease is getting worse and worse. And when he eventually goes to the priest, he, hear, he hears words that nobody ever wants to hear. The priest looks in his face. The priest looks at his hands and his body. And the priest says, unclean, unclean. And that is like a death sentence to people living in biblical times in the first century. To hear that, what would that mean? What would be the implications? Well, there were many. As the disease progressed, fingers would start to fall off. Pieces of the body would start to break down. Maybe holes would appear in the nose and in the face. Terrible disfigurement. Sometimes a foul breath would come upon the individual. They would perhaps ring a bell, and everywhere they went, they would be, have to say, unclean, unclean. So there was the disgrace that would go with it, the shame that would go with it. And then also in that society, there were, there were wrong ideas about truth and about God, that God had inflicted these individuals with leprosy, perhaps because of some terrible sin that they had done. So they would have that guilt, unnecessary, yes, if they understood the Word of God, but within their culture, within their society, that's the way that people thought. Sometimes we sometimes think that way too, even today. And so they would have the shame and the guilt that would go with that. Then, of course, immediately once the priest had declared them unclean, they would have to separate from their wife, separate from their children. And these ten lepers, when they appeal to Jesus, they're probably not dressed in their Sabbath clothes. They're probably in filthy, dirty rags just trying to survive. One of the things that um, I'm learning to do these days is to find the positive, even when you are surrounded with the negative. And the positive here is that Jews, and at least one Samaritan, we're hanging out together. That's very unusual. But what an existence. Essentially cut off from society, just trying to make it, knowing every day your disease is just literally eating you away. Not just in your body, but in your soul also. The healing isn't just necessary for the body, the healing is necessary for the soul, too. Only, only one was thankful. Nine seemed to be ungrateful. Some people just have a sour, unthankful disposition and can never be satisfied with anything. 
This individual says they read about a boy who had been swept out to sea by a big wave. Grandma saw it and earnestly began to pray aloud for the safety of the child. When another wave deposited the boy safely on the sand, Grandma looked him over carefully and looked towards the sky. When he came, she snapped, he had a hat. And then this same person puts in parentheses, put a hog in an orchard and it will eat the apples as they fall and never even look up to see where they came from. We call that unthankful ingratitude. I read about this young man who did something truly amazing. It was a September day in 1860 and a ship called the Lady Elgin <clears throat> was an overloaded steamer, and it floundered on the shore of Lake Michigan. Spectators gathered on the shore, and one of them, Edward W. Spencer, a student, young man, in Garrett Biblical Institute, saw a woman clinging to some wreckage far out in the breakers. He threw off his coat, he swam out through the heavy waves, succeeding in getting her back to the land and safety. <clears throat> Pretty heroic, don't you think? Sixteen times he went out and brought a total of 17 people with this other individual I just mentioned to safety. Seventeen times risking his own life to bring these individuals to safety. He collapsed on the shore from exhaustion. <clears throat> and while tossing in delirium that night, he cried over and over to his brother, did I do my best? Oh, I'm afraid I did not do my best. And when his brother tried to quiet him by saying, you saved 17 lives, he would reply, oh, if I could have just saved one more. <clears throat> Ed Spencer slowly recovered and finally, he died at 81 years of age. In the newspaper account of his death, it was stated that not one of the 17 people had returned to say thanks for him having saved their lives. What do we have to be thankful for? Well, earlier, was it Barney said, for, for the very breath that I take, every breath is a gift of God. And hopefully the older you get, the more aware of that, more sensitive to that you become. <clears throat> Somebody refurbished this sanctuary. Or some group of people, you have comfortable pews to sit on. Are you thankful for that? What about the rain that was coming down? Vix asked the children, are you happy for the rain? I was with someone this week and they said, you know, it seems that we've had so little rain that the pond in our yard has, has never been empty in, in so many years. They needed the rain. We need the rain. The food on our table. I don't know about you, but I don't really give a lot of thought to it. Yes, I pray over my food, but for all of my life, with very few exceptions, 
I've always had access to food. And very rarely have I ever really known what it is to be hungry. But there are millions upon hundreds of millions of people in this world who simply can't be guaranteed a meal the next day. Do we have tough times around here as far as jobs and employment and things like that? The economy? Yes, we do. It's not a normal economy. It's not a normal time, it seems, for many of us. But many of us, perhaps not all of us, but many of us have a roof over our head. We have a bed to sleep in. We have an awful lot to be grateful for. And I think it is important, as somebody said earlier, not just to to make a big deal about it on this day or on Thanksgiving Day, but to count our blessings every day of the year. To cultivate, and this, this, this is not just going to happen because I speak about it, to cultivate a spirit of gratefulness for the small things in life, the things that we just tend to take for granted. We know that many of us are, are ungrateful in many ways. We complain and we gripe, we criticize. Don't always look for the positive. We gravitate towards the negative. I've never heard anybody say, why me, when they win the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Thankfulness, okay. So let's take two or three simple steps on thankfulness. The first thing I want us to be aware of and think of is that we are grateful to God. He is the, we believe that God is the creator. I know a lot of people don't believe that, but many do believe it, even if they may understand it differently than us. God is our creator. We're not an accident. We did not evolve from the slime pit. God had a plan and a purpose for every one of us. So yes, we're grateful that we've been born into this world. And who is this God that we should be thankful and grateful to? Well, the Bible teaches us this God is Father, and this God is revealed as His Son, and this God is revealed as the Holy Spirit. So we speak of God as the Godhead, sometimes we might use the word Trinity, but we think of God in that way, and He can reveal Himself as God the Father, as God the Son, as God the Holy Spirit. And the way that I think of that is the three persons of the Godhead. Uh, Hugh said earlier he's thankful for salvation, and I will mention that in a little while because it's right there in our, in our biblical text this morning. Um, the way I see it is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit planned everything together. They're in total unity, no friction, no one trying to lord it over the other one, total harmony and unity and purpose together. Jesus never experienced that on this earth, it seems to me. And he says, how long do I have to put up with this? How long? He longed to be in the atmosphere of love with his Father, with the Holy Spirit. He had that before he was born into this world. 
and I'm sure that he craved that. That to me is, the Godhead is the ideal for what we should be as a church family. We're not trying to lord it over one another. The pastor is no better and no worse than anyone else. We just have different gifts, different talents, different ways of expressing ourselves. We have males. Should we be thankful for that? Uriel, you're not sure how to react to that. (laughs) Should we be thankful for the males in our midst? Mainly the ladies that said yes. What about the females? Well, we've already heard some this morning who are grateful for the females in our midst. Now let me ask you, who's made in God's image? Yes, we are. Not just the males and not just the females. We are all made in God's image. And we, because God has given us the sexes and the different gifts and the different talents to those sexes, He hasn't given them according to gender. He gives them according to how they will be exercised to build up His kingdom. Then we should be thankful for one another. Because we need, just like we need Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, and we should be grateful to God, especially for Him being Creator and giving us life and also being our Redeemer, so also we should be grateful for one another. Why? Because we need one another. Now someone says, oh, I don't need anyone else. I'm an island to myself. I'm the lone Christian. Really? Show me that in the Bible. Even the thief on the cross had Jesus. He wasn't alone. We need community. We need one another. We need to to develop the idea of teamwork. Now, that's kind of alien if we're a little bit individualistic and used to doing things our own way. But one of the reasons that God brings us together at the Anderson Church is so we can learn from one another. So I'm grateful for my critics. Why don't you say that with me? Lord, I'm grateful for my critics. And I'm grateful for those that encourage me within this congregation. I'm grateful for people who will take the initiative and make this happen. So many good things to thank God for. Now, are there things we don't like? in one another, what about in yourself? Haven't you found, as you've walked this Christian life, that it's much easier to find fault in others than yourself? Anybody can relate to that? What did Jesus say? Take the plank, kind of humorous idea, take the plank out of your own eye before you try and take the sawdust or the speck in somebody else's eye. We are community. God has formed us into community. And as we try and learn from one another and grow with one another, this is how we become Christ-like. You don't become Christ-like by being an individual who hides away, for example, in a monastery in some ivory tower. You become Christ-like as Peter and John 
very diverse individuals are working together. Don't you think Jesus was wise to do that? Encourage them to team up two by two. I wonder if he handpicked them. How did Peter and John come to work together? You ever thought about that? I don't know the answers. I just, I'm just asking the questions. Did Jesus say, hey, you two, you need to kind of learn from one another? He knew what he was doing. Or did they just say, ah, John, you're easy to get along with. Now, remember, John was once a son of thunder. So I don't know at one point in his life how easy it was to get along. But somehow these men, these disciples, these followers of Jesus learned from one another. Sometimes they would gripe and complain, and they would try and do it when Jesus was kind of a little bit far away, so he couldn't quite hear. But you know what? Jesus had really good hearing. The Bible says he knew what was in the heart of man. So whether he overheard them, whether God the Father and the Holy Spirit clued him in, he says, what were you talking about? <clears throat> they went really quiet because they probably were a little unsure, a little uncertain that maybe this wasn't a very wholesome, positive way of talking to one another. So Jesus would take an opportunity like that to very gently, very lovingly uh, rebuke them because they had to learn. They're going to be the leaders of the church. They had to learn to love one another, to have unity. Christ is building His church on these apostles. Pretty amazing. So we need to thank one another for one another as imperfect as we all are. And if you're not sure about the imperfect, just look in the mirror. And finally, as Hugh reminded us, we need to thank God for our salvation. Look at the end of this passage. We're not, verse 17, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Some translations it may have, um, it, it obviously means the Samaritan, this foreigner. Then he said to him, rise and go your, your, and go your faith has made you well. And it brings a really important point up, which is very foundational when we ask God for healing and things like that. And I know that this sermon this morning is not on that. It's so natural for us when we have loved ones and family members and maybe ourselves who, who are facing illness with cancer or whatever. It is so normal. It is so something that we all do and pray for healing of the body. And I think we're encouraged in Scripture to do that. But what about healing of the soul? The body really doesn't last very long, don't you think? I don't know who is the oldest person here this morning, but let's say somebody is here this morning and they are 90 years of age. Is there anybody that's 90 years of age? Oh, wow, there's a, there's a number. What about 95? All right, no one's hit the 100 mark yet. I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem a whole lot of years to me. Right? 
How long did Adam live? Pushing 1,000, 900 and something. So to live to 80, 90, 100 years, I mean, we can say on one hand, 100 years, wow, that's fantastic. Well, it's nothing compared with eternity. We're talking about the salvation of the soul and living with this loving, compassionate, merciful God for eternity. And praise God that one returned thanking and God, and don't just think he went up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, thanks. This man just threw himself at Jesus' feet, probably bawling and praising at the same time. Probably people would say, well, that's not very dignified. So what? He's doing the main thing. He's praising and thanking God for God's mercy towards him. And what extra blessing does he get? The blessing of all blessings, the pearl of great price. This day you're going to be saved, man. Not only physically healed so that he can go back to wife and children and back to his community and live a normal life, but he is part of God's family forever. Wow. How fantastic. How wonderful is this gift of salvation. So whichever way we cut the cake... We can thank God for being God, the kind of God that He is. I hope we all have a good image of what God is really like, that He's not someone who's trying to trip us up and make life hard for us, but He is a loving, compassionate, merciful God who will only, only ever do what is in your best interests. You may live until you're 15 years of age, and if God allows you to die, it's in your best interest. Hard, humanly, to understand that. We see, God has a perspective that you and I don't have. He sees the end from the beginning. He understands. But we also need to be grateful for one another. Develop that sense of loving, compassionate community. How many times does Ellen White say, work shoulder to shoulder, pressed together over and over, all the way through her writings. You couldn't have an early Advent movement where each one was doing his own thing. We would not be here, Seventh-day Adventists today, if they had not learned how to be an, an organization that could work together. And then finally, of course, we're so, so grateful. I know I am that God would save the worst of sinners. Paul called himself the worst of sinners. He would save someone like you and me. We deserve nothing. Well, we do deserve something. We deserve eternal damnation, right? Because we've all broken God's law over and over and over again. But instead of that, we get eternal life. Why? Because we trust in Jesus Christ. And Jesus has met all the demands of a holy God, and he credits that to your account. What a wonderful God we have. So let's continue on a daily basis, not just up to that Thanksgiving day, but every day of our lives, counting our blessings. And maybe we can correct one another when we fail to do that, but let's do it in love. Let us pray. Gracious God, here we are worshiping you once again. 
on your holy Sabbath day. Lord, we all have different ways of seeing things, different ways of doing things, and this is all because we're part of your creation. But we're also recreated, where we have the same Holy Spirit abiding within us. So may there be a meeting of the minds so that your will can be done here at the Anderson Church. May we press together, even when we don't feel like pressing together. May we not allow the evil one to discourage us and to divide us, but may we allow your Holy Spirit to unite us so that we can truly be the body of Christ that you are proud of. We thank you, Lord, that you justified us, that you're sanctifying us, and we are destined for glory. We give you all the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.